Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-hosts, Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. We have a number of people we're going to be talking with today. One of the individuals is Attorney James Bible. Uh, if you read the paper on Monday or Tuesday, you saw where he represented the father of a 17-year-old that was gunned down by King County Sheriff's SWATs officers on a, a bogus uh, staying operation and was able to reach a settlement in lieu of going to court for a civil rights lawsuit. And uh, their family walked away with $2.25 million. But Attorney Bible, as knowing him, he went a lot further. And I'll let him talk about that. So welcome to Urban Forum Northwest, Attorney Bible with Eddie Rye and Hayward Evans. And uh, a lot of people want to hear from you about what happened. Once again, you got justice for the people and for that family. And we're extremely proud of you. And this has been spread all across the country. So several members of the Congressional Black Caucus also they uh, want me to extend congratulations to you as well. So why don't you just go ahead and take a minute or two and sh share with our listeners that don't know a little bit about your background. Uh, we'll do that first, and then let's talk specifically about the case and then talk about justice in general. Thank you so much for having me, Eddie. I am the former president of the King County NAACP and a civil and human rights attorney here in the, uh, the state of Washington. This case... The case of My Chance Dunlap Gittins is heartbreaking. It actually starts about three days earlier prior to his death. It starts with three young African-American women who were involved in a car prowl in a town called Sammamish, Washington. And during that car prowl, those three young women were shot at. They were shot out by a police officer's son, and during that incident, the son was run over and eventually died. Law enforcement in this entire region essentially created a posse, and they tracked down and tried to track down who they thought was responsible. They assumed that it was three African-American men, and then they assumed that they had one person of interest and they set up this sting operation. And the sting operation involved them claiming that they were females that wanted to buy alcohol from kids off of Facebook. And the kid that they were actually interested in agreed. And that kid happened to be a friend of my chance, Dunlap Gittins. So that friend on one night asked, my chance if he would help him carry bottles of alcohol out to um, the van for the meeting place. And the police did show up in this uh, police van. And as the kids were walking up to the car, they jumped out. The officers jumped out and they started to fire. And my chance was shot several times in his back and in the back of his head and in his midsection. A devastating moment for this family, a call that they never, ever hoped to receive. Um, something that, once we learned about the facts, sent shockwaves through our community. And so this resolution uh, that we reached is one that doesn't bring the young man back who hoped to someday be an attorney. But I'm proud of the family because not only did they take this all the way through, but they also went to a place where they said, we need authentic and dynamic change. So as part of this agreement, 
the King County Sheriff is actually going to work towards putting body cameras on sheriff's officers and also in-car dash camera on their sheriff vehicles. Because the unfortunate, harsh, and tragic reality is that most of the time when black folks encounter uh, law enforcement and have any remote opportunity of justice, it's because there was a video camera. So that's where we currently are with a lot of work to do in this case. Um, and the family that's dedicated to helping everybody uh, be in a place where we can move towards change. What exactly did you get or the family get the King County Sheriff to agree to in terms of policy? We know there was an apology that was given, but uh, can you uh, speak to the changes that the King County Sheriff's Office will be undergoing as a result of this tragic incident? So there was an apology given within the statement. The changes um, that they've committed to at this stage are in relation to the cameras that we talked about, um, both on the body and in the cars, so that this sort of thing would be um, documented or these kinds of incidents would be documented so we'd be in a place where we would have more information. Uh, but in addition to that, they pledged to work with the family to increase accountability uh, in the department. So we'll have to work with the community to make sure that they live up to those agreements and uh, also make sure that we're in a space where we push for more um, than what we've seen this far, including um, things that we haven't even thought about yet in terms of possibilities. So it's going to be a work in progress, and it's a very unique sort of resolution, so we're going to have to figure out exactly how to make all of this happen, and it's going to require um, tremendous community support. I want to see if my co-host, Hayward Evans, has any questions or comments to you, Attorney James Bible. Absolutely. First James, first, James, let me thank you for being here, and thank you for all the work you've done on behalf of our community, going all the way back to when you were president of the NAACP and in charge of redress for all the states, <laughs> all the western states. Oh, but but I, I want to ask you, did, did implied bias testing or implied bias ever come up where they can literally teach these people so they can see beyond their just their conscious mind or these implied negativity as it relates to our community? Did they even consider that at all for their officers? Well, we we definitely have a lot of work to do in relation to helping people to understand implied and implicit bias. Uh, it is something that's ever-present in our society, and also racism is present, too. Um, but I think that on a lot of levels, these officers, some of them are socialized to see um, black skin as criminal. And we have a lot of work to do in relation to that. And I want to be clear, uh, a reality here um, with law enforcement and our, our interactions with law enforcement as people of color is one that is similar to a domestic violence type of relationship, where if we talk about them, we receive additional threats about um, what we can or can't do. And these are harsh realities that are present in our society. So um, we definitely need to do some work on implicit bias, um, implied bias, and also just sheer racism. Um, and at this stage, if you aren't in a place where you're in law enforcement and prepared to remove those officers that are in a place where they're violating your trust um, of the public based on race, uh, then you're in the wrong profession. 
Well, you know, one other thing I read today is uh, the Washington State Patrol uh, have uh, been accused, and they're studying now. And the study happened around uh, the uh, in Yakima, around the COVID, uh, the uh, reservation over there. And uh, it was uh, well pointed out the fact that uh, there were more uh, uh, blacks and Latinos and natives were stopped and searched more frequently than anyone else. And I guess they're going to be having some study on that. I would uh, uh, like to see uh, you involved uh, with, with that as well, Attorney Bible. Because that way, then, you know, we can't have the government investigating itself when it comes down to uh, uh, racism and other discriminatory practices. So I'm going to be uh, putting a call into the chief, who is the brother of John Batiste, who was recruited by George Rowland to come play basketball at WSU out of New Orleans. So mm-hmm. I think that we need to get be, make sure that we have uh, the NAACP or Attorney James Bible or Lim Howell or someone like that at the table as well to ensure that it's not one of those uh, little cover-ups where you sugarcoat stuff and keep stepping. So, and it's not very, a very good example coming from the White House. So uh, Absolutely. what are the next steps right now, Attorney Bible? Well, um, the next steps in terms of the world and civil and human rights is that we all have a lot of work to do. We've seen what's happened in Georgia. We've seen what's happened in Seattle, Washington. We've seen... Um, repeated instances of police violence. We've seen uh, inequities uh, thrust upon people of color and specifically African-American, Latino, and Native individuals, and we just have a ton of work to do. Uh, So we need to approach this on all fronts. We need to deal with this in terms of policy. We need to deal with this in terms of um, individual officers that are fully prepared to violate the law, civil and human rights. Uh, We need to improve how people are socializing the society to perceive people of color. We need to create authentic opportunities so people of color can actually thrive and survive as well. Um, Unfortunately, in this realm, when I look at things uh, as a civil rights attorney, I recognize that all of this doesn't happen in a vacuum. Um, It happens comprehensively, meaning that ultimately, Um, The way we treat people at work, the way we portray people on television, the opportunities that are not present impact what actually happens on street corners in America, Um, what happens uh, in terms of interactions with law enforcement uh, with people of color. So we've got a ton of work to do on all fronts. Well, Hayward, do you have a a further comment or question for Attorney Bible? Yeah, you know, on that note, uh, and from a policy perspective, is anything being done that's measurable? Because clearly some of this is unconscious or is an automatic bias that's taking place out there with these. With these. Is there any way that it could be measured? Because right now we know there's, there's some unwillingness or they're just unable to put it in the policy. Is that something that can be structured somehow? Well, I think that they definitely need to have policies that um, – and systems that track police interactions with communities of color, how often, when, where, what was the basis, that sort of thing. And I think that some of that is present, but we need more. Um, But also in terms of research, what I would say is um, folks of color already know that they're being punched in the face, essentially, by um, policymakers on all levels, on all fronts, in all ways. And uh, frankly, Sometimes the research that powers that that be claim they need 
are wholly unnecessary because the issue is obvious. Um, start promoting fairness, create rules that actually support human and civil rights, that protect um, civil rights as well. And that's ultimately, well, I think, where we are here. Well, Attorney Bible, we're going to have to have you back to make sure that we stay on top of this because this is a, a issue that we've got to deal with, and your leadership is definitely required, and you have demonstrated already that you can get justice for the people. So the congratulations, a sad for the family, for the loss of their son, but I'm very proud that they're going to make an impact on the system and really create some changes. So thank you very much, sir. We'll be, stay in touch with you to make sure if things come up or you want to rally people together, uh, you, this program will definitely be there for you. So thank you very much, Attorney James Bible. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye's next guest is Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey, Senior Pastor of New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, founders of Black Dollar Days Task Force, uh, founder of the Clean Greens Farm and Market, and also there's another uh, event. He's another organization that he's formed. They just built five townhouses, and they're also working with the Urban League to feed people and shelter folks. So, Dr. J, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How you doing, Eddie? Okay. Uh, Hayward Evans is on the line with us. I'd just like to have you just talk briefly about those organizations, and then I want to wind up with talking about the townhouses and what uh, uh, you and New Hope and the other organizations are doing to help the people who are distressed by COVID-19, the virus. Okay. Um, well, um, the organization Black Dollar Clean Greens, we lost a very vital person um, recently in the Spotty Cross, and, and I just want to pay tribute to her before I start. And, and um, the farm is, uh, we're in the, in the process of planning now, and uh, we believe that the farm is going to be um, in full speed um, before, the, you know, about mid-summer, and we'll be uh, harvesting and uh, and hopefully bringing fresh fresh vegetables to the community. Um, especially in times like these, um, our community needs to be aware of uh, the need to eat healthy, healthy vegetables. Uh, you know, African Americans are being uh, um, hit really hard by COVID-19, and uh, our numbers are just extremely high, and we need to bring those numbers down. And a lot of it is about poverty. A lot of it is about just the inability to to get sustainable work, and, and uh, so a lot of it is about the absence of health insurance. And um, with the government getting ready, with uh, Trump still trying to outlaw um, uh, the the uh, medical. Uh, that Obama brought into to place, uh, you know, if that if the Supreme Court outlaws that 65 percent, um, there will be a 65 percent or 20 million people will be out of uh, health insurance. So we, the ACA uh, law cannot be outlawed by the Supreme Court. So you know, we're just in a really uh, uh, um, difficult position right now, especially with the virus, especially with the pandemic that the country is in. So we believe we believe that um, we have to concentrate on the health insurance area. We have to concentrate on sustainable jobs, and, and we have to concentrate on food. You know, food and and and, and regulate our diet. You know, uh, 4.9 million African Americans, uh, uh, adult African Americans, have been diagnosed or will be diagnosed with uh, diabetes, and that's something that we've got to concentrate on. We've got to concentrate on our health health of our community because uh, all it takes is something like a pandemic and it 
it, 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 it hurts us really hard. It hits us really hard. I want to see if my co-host Hayward Evans has a question or a comment for you, Reverend Jeffrey. You know, Reverend Jeffries, first, thank you for being there. And I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you, even to the extent I was listening to the news, and these billionaires are making billions of dollars. And, and, and morally, no person, company, or entity should be allowed to profit off a pandemic. That's just straight up wrong. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, on that note, now going going back to what you were doing before, cause I want to ask you about that whole urban renewal and that park next door, because I know recently we wanted to work on it. Then this pandemic came up. Can you share with our listenership that, that park next door, the land that should belong to the church? Yeah, the land was taken in, um, I think it was 1669, 60, um, under protest uh, from by uh, the pastor. Um, and, um, you know, of course, the land now is valued at um, uh, multiple millions of dollars in uh, and it was pretty much taken under the urban renewal thing. It was it was kind of outside of the jurisdiction of the urban renewal, but the parks department took it anyway, and um, actually threatened the pastor that if he didn't if he didn't uh, yield for the amount they were offering him, that they would take it anyway. So we have all the documentation about that, and it's really a sinister thing. It's really very disappointing to see that kind of language. I think I've mentioned the language before. I don't have that document in front of me right now, but, but the language is very disappointing. And very racist, too, on top of being disappointing. I guess we shouldn't be dis- I guess we always are going to be disappointed but because we always hope for the best, but uh, we're always uh, somehow let down on that. Well, I, I, even, though, even though setbacks, Reverend Jeffrey, uh, to be able to develop, now what is the name of the development uh a company that that you started uh that's a non-profit development company yeah they built the five town homes the new hope new hope uh development institute and that uh it's working in partnership with lehigh uh right now and uh, we're working on uh, building uh 100 units uh using church land to build 100 units of um uh workforce low-income housing um and um we have preliminary uh plans of that already in motion. Um, we have preliminary drawings and all that. So we are using that, and the the Development Institute will will uh, hold the land, be the holding company for the land, uh, or, and manage the buildings. And that's great, because I got, got an education from a gentleman you brought back from uh, Harlem, New York, that has the, the big projects, now the housing projects back there. That was uh, yeah. very interesting and very informative. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, 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 we were planning. We were planning a um, a uh, housing conference uh, with he and um, uh, the gentleman out of South Carolina uh, um, uh, who does uh, who's on the Poor People's Campaign uh, March. Uh, the Poor People's Camp, Poor People's Campaign, mm-hmm. is a virtual campaign right now. Um, uh, but we were planning that with those two gentlemen uh, in the fall. But you know, now that with the COVID, we probably will either do a virtual conference. I'm not sure how we'll do that. Okay, but it, as you have things come up, we want to make sure we you keep this information out to the people, and we definitely will use this program to do that. Now, well, what can that. people do right now to support your efforts, uh, Reverend Jeffrey, before we go? I'd like to know what can people do and where can they go to find this information about what you're talking about right now, the townhomes, Black Dollar Days Task Force, well, the town, and the market. I want, say, I want to say a word about the townhomes. Right now, 
we're, we're, right now, uh, we're going to sell two of the townhomes because that to pay back the loan that we had to, the banks wouldn't give us a loan to, to build this. The banks would not invest in, our, in us. We did this on our own. And uh, so we have to pay that loan back. So we're going to sell two of them to try to get that loan taken care of. But three of the, three of the townhouses, we're trying to negotiate with the city to turn them into workforce housing. And um, so hopefully that will go well. Uh, this is uh, probably, you know, with Ms. Cross gone, we're trying to update our, our, our websites, and we're, we're just putting in personnel that will uh, begin to work uh, to update the websites. With the COVID, that sort of slows us down some. But you can go to our webpage, uh, blackdollars.org or cleangreensfarm.org, uh, and get the knowledge of the farm and um, I think that the, the Development Institute has a website up, but I'm not sure right now what it is. But, Eddie, I'll get that to you. Okay, we'll make possible. sure we announce that Lanisha, regularly, too. Lanisha so people need to... is running that, uh, running that program, and uh, so she will get that to you as soon as I'll talk to her about it, and she'll get it to you. Okay, and we'll make announcements. And like I said, every time you make a move, let us know, because you can have, definitely have access to these airways, all the stuff you're doing for the community. Reverend Jeffrey, really want to thank you. Like I said, yeah, if they develop, let us know you know, so we can keep the public informed. I just want to say this, that, you know, we're going to be raising asparagus, carrots, garlic, kale, onions, peppers, spinach, tomatoes, uh, collard greens, and broccoli. All of these foods fight high blood pressure, they fight diabetes, and they fight heart disease, things that are, are, are killing our people right now. Well, I'm glad you're on it, brother. I appreciate that. So you're going to the Lord, but you're also uh, delivering <laughs> what people need on earth. So that's always great. So, well, Reverend Jeffrey, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And whatever Hayward and I could do to help with fight whoever we well, have to to get that land back. When this COVID sort of settles down, I would like to sit down and have a talk with you guys about uh, this whole issue of land restoration and what our strategy is going to be going forward on that. Okay, sir, we look forward to talking to you about it. Thank you so much, and again, we'll stay in touch. Uh Okay. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back uh, with our next guest, Austin Cedar, Vice President of Operations at the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all. 
especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eric is spinning the, the music, and Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye are back at Urban Forum Northwest with our next guest. But before we do that, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Sound Transfer Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Sales Purchasing and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, Concourse Concessions with Dave Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group, LLC, with Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitsitt out at SeaTac. They're not doing very much business right now because of COVID-19. And Stephanie Ogle from Solstice Media does our technology. Our next guest is Vice President of Operations at the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle, Augustine Sita. And Augustine has been working diligently uh, to help people who have been afflicted, the Urban League has, with this COVID-19. So, Augustine, why don't you uh, start off by sharing uh, with our listeners a little bit about your background, and then we're going to talk about all the fantastic work that you and my good friend, Michelle Merriweather, the President and CEO of the Urban League, is doing in the, in the greater Seattle area now, because you guys are all in federal way now. Yeah, okay, well, thank thank you for having me on again, uh, Mr. Rye, uh, and thank you for spreading the word in the community about the work that's being done by our organization and others uh, who are serving our community. Uh, but I, I've been with the Urban League for about six and a half years now, uh, worked as a workforce development director, uh, managed a lot of the workforce programs, and now work as vice president of operations uh, at the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. And so, what is what are, what are you what are you guys up to right now? I understand that you opened the office up in uh, Federal Way, and you guys are also doing some work for the people who have been afflicted by COVID nineteen, like feeding people. So, you share that information with our listeners. Yeah. So the the office space in Federal Way is kind of on hold now. We were working on that in January before this COVID nineteen thing hit and kind of threw things uh, in a spin. Uh, but one thing for sure, the work has not stopped at the Urban League. And although most of our staff are telecommuting, uh, doing what we can to keep safe, uh, we're still working hard uh, to see families across King County uh, open up a new young adult shelter uh, at New Hope Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, and, yeah, we're all working hard to serve the needs of the community, especially during this time when a lot of our underserved population are being ignored. And, you know, we just talked to Reverend Jeffrey a minute ago. He's doing so many things, an outstanding contributor to human, uh, to, to human beings, is Reverend, Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey. Now, and normally you guys are involved with employment. you got a, uh, a bridge program. Uh, talk about some of the programs that the Urban League is administering, even though we know some of them is on hold right now because of uh, COVID-19. But talk about some of the programs that the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle uh, is engaged in right now. Yeah, and thank you for mentioning that because I want to make clear that our programs have changed in how we're executing them, but they're not on hold. The work has not stopped. Our job developers are still reaching out to folks uh, on a daily basis, helping them to obtain employment. Our housing program is almost like a 24-hour machine helping people with rental assistance, uh, with foreclosures, 
Uh, and so our staff can't be at the RJC court anymore to stop eviction. Uh, but we've figured out how to bring that work in-house and reach out to those who are in need to make sure they're still getting the resources they need. So we're still doing employment. We're still doing housing. Uh, we're still working with homeless populations. And we're still doing work in our education department, doing Zoom classes uh, with our staff, reaching out to young people who are not in school right now. Well, I know that Linda Taylor has been a, a stalwart with that housing program. As a matter of fact, I had a chance to speak to Mac Murray yesterday. He used to be the, the go-to guy in terms of dealing with foreclosures and stuff right now. He's still recouping. Uh, but uh, in terms of how can people get in touch with you if they are in need to have food or other uh, uh, subsistence uh, to get through this uh, uh, COVID-19 pandemic? So the best way to do that is go to our website. Everything is on there. In fact, our entire website has been revamped just to focus on the needs of COVID-19 and the people who are, who are needing these services. And if people go to our website, they can sign up on links online if they want to have food packages delivered to their homes. All across King County, we're feeding 50 families a week. Uh, packages include meat, fruit, vegetables, and we're bringing it right to their uh, homes. And this is in partnership with Bride, Bride, Bird Bar Place, who's providing the food. We're also doing drive-through pickups, uh, where we're providing up to 50 families a week with emergency kits. The kits include hygiene items, children's activities, and school supplies. And this is in partnership with Washington and World Vision and Seattle Parks and Rec. Uh, but if they visit our website, they'll see that everything they need is on there. If they want to have food delivered, uh, they can go on there. If they want to come to our drive through spots, all the information is on there, including uh, a lot of uh, work we've been putting in lately is our young adult shelter. And that's, that's, that just opened up last week. Okay. Now, somebody might be in need, might not have the Internet hooked up. Is there a phone number they can call to get this assistance? Absolutely. Let me give you that number now, especially if somebody – first, this is a number for people who are in need of shelter. The number is 206-639-7477. That's 206-639-7477. And if folks do not have Internet access, they can call our main number at the Urban League, which is 206 206- Four six one three seven nine two. We have staff working Monday through Friday, and they can make sure they could get connected to the services. So the Urban League is still staffing folks, and, and that, that's good to hear because a lot of people are in need. And I've been seeing the lines for folks who've never uh, had to go to a food bank before, and they're lining up all across the country. So it's really good to have an organization like the Urban League and uh, uh, New Hope and other organizations providing what people need to stay alive because, you know, uh, yeah. you start missing meals, your, your, you know, your uh, immune system goes out of whack and uh, somebody sneezes around you and you have this virus. So uh, uh, in mentioning the virus, I just have to give a shout-out to, to uh, Michael Floor, who was in uh, Swedish Issaquah for two months, and uh, he, he was able to leave, get discharged yesterday, so I'm on Channel 13, so Michael Floor, want to give you a shout-out, brother. I'm glad you're well. And uh, so uh, we really do appreciate uh, what you guys are doing, and 
Uh, once again, give, give us that website and that phone number once again. So the phone number for people who are needed in need of shelter, we're, we're sheltering young adults, men and women, between the ages of 18 to 24. If they're above the age or under the age, we'll find housing for them. One thing we don't do at the Urban League is close our doors on people. But that number is 206-639-7477. And for okay, folks that uh, have, go ahead. I was going to say thank you. I want to just thank you very much, and we're going to keep uh, our folks posted because people are in need. Uh, this virus is no joke, and a lot of people are going without. So obviously I want to thank you and thank the boss lady, Michelle Merriweather, and the board of directors and all the folks at the Urban League that's doing this task on a daily basis, keeping people alive. So thank you very much, sir. Yeah, thank you for getting the word out, Mr. Ross. Thank you. Oh, okay. Okay, our next guest is uh, Kavivi Monet, uh, founder of the New Black Arts West Theater, and a friend of mine and Hayward Evans. So Hayward Evans, uh, Kavivi, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with Eddie Bryan Hayward Evans. Oh, hey. Hello. <laughs> how, are you, how are you today? How are you feeling? I am, as I always say, too blessed to be stressed. I had my um, test done, and there was no trace. It wasn't a false positive or a false negative. It was a no trace, by the grace of God, uh, of the you know the virus. So I'm I'm feeling oh, blessed. <laughs> Well, and thank God you are, because we definitely need your talent. Can you share with our listenership a little bit about you, about your background and then how you established New Black Arts West and then go into full culture? Because I know you're a big-time storyteller, but could you share it with our listenership? Sure. Um, as um, some of you may know, I'm a native of Seattle, born and raised in the projects uh, here at the Yosef Terrace. Uh, got involved with the original Black Arts West Theater in 70, I do believe it was 73. Um, it was founded in 69, by the way, for those of you that didn't know it. Anyway, I got involved with the theater. It was such a life-saving uh, vehicle for me. So when it went down in 80, which I was part of the staff then, a resident actress at the time, and a marketing director with the original Black Arts West Theater when it went down. Well, I saw that we kept trying to get theater here, back the black theater here in Seattle, but it wasn't happening. So um, I went to Douglas Barnett and I said, Doug, um, I want to start a theater company, you know, a black theater company, so we can have rest representation in the arts. And he showed me, you know, brick by brick, what I should do, how I should do it, worked with me for months, called me one day and he said, Khabibi, I just, you know, had a visit from uh, William, not William Morrill, um, anybody, anyway, some old Black Arts West people that were talking about bringing Black Arts West back. And he said, so if you're planning on really doing that, you better hurry up and do it. So, of course, that's what I did. And uh, New Black Arts West Theater was founded in um, 1982 was when I brought it back to the community. Went down. We went down in 80. The original Black Arts West Theater was founded in 69. Went down in 80. I back, brought it back in 92, and we've been going um, since then. We have a summer youth education program that we do, and we've been doing it for the past 10 years where we've been substituting classes of, from music, drama, and dance to 
um, academic classes like math, science, literary arts, public speaking, um, you know, academic, you know, courses. So um, that's what we've been doing, and um, our work couldn't be more urgently needed than it is right now. As we all know, the communities that are most impacted by this pandemic are low-income communities and people of color. Well, New Black Arts West Theater has, for the, like I said, last 10 years been working hard to provide solutions to, you know, this miseducation of our children and the challenges they go through to succeed. They need us you know, now we're, we're so, we're so, than ever. Go ahead, baby. What? You know, we're so, we're, we're so glad that you're here. You know, you are a community treasure. And we, oh, truly, we truly appreciate all your work now. Are you chairing the uh, NAACP Axel now for this year? Yeah, well, co-chair. I'm co-chair for this year, but I'll be soon um, changing from the AXO program to the Airbnb and partnership between Airbnb and national NAACP. Um, so that's what I'll be working on, and that's so I can help our community keep their, keep their house, keep their land, keep their property. And with Airbnb all over the world, I believe this is a vehicle that will help us maintain, you know, where we are, as well as grow. Maybe you're going to really be able to put some money, real money, in our pockets. So that's what um, I'll be doing with the NAACP. Back to New Black Arts West Theater, though. Um, if you didn't know it, you know, we were involved with that Give Big campaign. We were trying to raise funds because, like I said, we've been doing free um, academic classes for the last 10 years. Well, it's only been for uh, six weeks on Saturdays during the summer. Well, we want to increase that amount to 25 weeks of Saturday classes in our, um, agriculture, creative writing, nutrition, math, and science. So um, we got involved for the first time with the big, big give the give big campaign and we're asking people to please consider if you can make a donation to new black and swiss theater even though the give give big campaign is over we we can still continue to help us help others by donating now, to new black and swiss theater can okay. you share that contract information with our listeners so they know how they could contribute Surely, uh, if they go to new, and that's N-U, not N-E-W, but N-U, Black Arts West website, you can make a donation there, or you can go directly to PayPal to make a donation. You know, our aim was to, I mean, we were reaching, I'm sure, but our aim was to make 15000 15, so we could extend this program, especially now since our kids miss so much school with school ended early, so that's where our focus is now. Trying to okay, no, we're just about out of time. But Kabibi, I want to tell you that Hayward Evans is an outstanding grant writer. Okay. 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 <laughs> I just want to oh, let you know by that. Way, Eddie, um, New Black Arts West Theater and HCAACD, we're gearing up for the official dedication ceremony for naming for the naming of uh, the Doug, Doug, Douglas Q Barnett installation on corner of 34th and Union, getting 34th and Union renamed. So right by where the theater used to be. Right. 
Okay, so Khabibi, thank you very much. We're out of time, but we want you to keep our listeners posted on all the good work you're doing. So thank, thank you very you, thank much. You, thank you, uh, thank you Khabibi. Okay. All right, so we're going to take a break. Uh, hey, I'm going to have to squeeze your two minutes in somewhere, but anyway. We'll take a break <laughs> and come back, come, back, come back with Jamie Elmore and her guests. Thank you. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Organic, free-range, and fresh daily. Alternative Talk, 1150. Hey, what happens? Betty Ryan back on Urban Forum Northwest with Jamie Elmore, uh, founder of the Alopecia Support Group and editor-in-chief of Ball Life Magazine. And she is joined by one of her editors of Arts and Culture, uh, Mr. John Chambers. And we tried to hook up with Mr. William Edmonds, but he is having a little difficulty right now. We want to make sure he gets credit as well. So, uh, Jamie Elmore, why don't you start out talking about Ball Magazine, and then we'll segue into Mr. Chambers. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Mr. Reifer. Always giving us an opportunity to be on your show. We appreciate all that you do for our community as well. But like you said, um, I'm the editor-in-chief of Ball Life Magazine, and I'm totally excited and honored about the platform that um, I have um, provided for individuals that are bald, men, women, and children, whether they're bald to alopecia, cancer, medically induced, or simply by choice. And this platform will allow individuals to share their stories um, within the magazine. We also will have, um, we have events actually every single Friday. Every Friday we have live Facebook interviews where we are interviewing people from around the world that will be able to share their stories in that um, area as well. And so I'm just excited about um, our Writers, I have a team of writers, about 10 writers from around the world, globally, and they're all experts in their own right. Either they have alopecia 
or they help individuals dealing with hair loss, or they are bald themselves. And I was strategic in that we have doctors, we have a psychologist, we have health and fitness finances, and I'm excited about a team of, uh, of gentlemen that I have partnered with and I will be collaborating with, and I have them on the line today, and that is Mr. John Chambers. And I would love for him to come online and talk about his movement with his partner, Mr. Edmonds, and what they do and why they decided to collaborate with Bald Life Magazine. Mr. Chambers? Hi, good afternoon, everyone. My name is John Chambers. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Rye and Jamie Elmore for this opportunity to come on live radio and just talk about Black Baldman and our collaboration with Bald Life Magazine. Um, so, once again, my name is John, and I'm co-creator of Black Baldman, myself and my partner, Will Edmonds. Um, we saw that there was a lack of readily available information for bald head maintenance. You can basically find anything you need for beard care, uh, wave care, things of that nature, but there was nothing um, for bald head maintenance. So, so we decided to start a community where we share shaving and skincare tips. In doing so, we wanted to also create and cultivate a culture that celebrates and recognizes, but more importantly, embraces the beauty of bald men and women. Uh, both Will and myself, we are bald due to genetics, I would add. Um, and in doing so, we, we partnered with um, Jamie Elmore and Bald Life Magazine to usher in a merge between, you know, people who are bald by choice and the folks, the men and women and children who are bald due to medical reasons. Um, and we came on board as the culture and entertainment editors. And what we're going to do is we're going to uh, basically bring, you know, what's, what's hot in pop culture, entertainment, and sports to Bald Life Magazine. So Bald Life Magazine can be a one-stop shop. Uh, we're, we uh, found Jamie, like Jamie found us on Instagram. We're Black Baldman on Instagram, www.blackbaldman.com is our website. And Jamie found us, and after talking, we we just thought it would be a perfect marriage, you know. So mm -hmm. we're here, and once again, I would like to thank Jamie for that opportunity, and I would also like to once again thank Mr. Rye for having us. Thank you so much, um, Mr. Chambers. And like, and like you said, uh, Mr. Rye, it is a perfect marriage. And what we're doing, we're going to change the game when it comes to how people look at individuals that are bald. We believe that everybody has a story and everybody's story should be heard. And so I'm just ex excited and honored to be partnering and collaborating with a team of experts and specifically for Mr. with Mr. John Chambers and Mr. Will Edmonds. I'm just excited about what our future holds and what we have in store, Mr. Rye. Mr. Rye, big issues. Now, now, Jamie, for those people who don't know uh, that you're a licensed hairstylist and you're the founder of the Alopecia Support Group, can you just share with our listenership a little bit about the support group? And I know that you have regular meetings, but I think they really want to hear about that and get in touch with you. Also, I'm looking forward to seeing this magazine. Where can I pick up Bald Life Magazine? 
Okay. Well, the Mall Life magazine will be released in September, September 2020. And I picked that month because that happens to be Alopecia Awareness Month. And so to piggyback off of that, yes, I am a licensed um, hairstylist, salon owner, been in the industry for 29 years here in Seattle, Washington. I am the founder of the Alopecia Support Group, which is a nonprofit organization. Now, the Alopecia Support Group and the Bald Life magazine are two separate vehicles and two separate entities. So from the, uh, the support group standpoint, we have been in motion since 2009. We help people all over the world, men, women, and children. And for your listeners that are not familiar with alopecia, alopecia is an autoimmune disease. It's where your immune system attacks your hair follicle. 6.8 million people in the U.S. and 147 million people worldwide live with this condition. And they can find out more about my organization on the alopeciasupportgroup.org website. And of course, they can Google me. I don't like to say Google me, but they can Google my name, Jamie Elmore, alopecia, and I will pop up and it will lead them right to me. And so I'm just honored to be walking in this space and honored to be walking in my purpose because I have alopecia and I never understood the, uh, the fear and the pain of what individuals go through until I went through this myself. And so I'm just creating innovative platforms for people to heal, for people to um, unapologetically rock their crowns. Um, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. And, and that's great. Now, just another question, Jamie. Uh, due to COVID-19, has your salon reopened? No. My salon has been closed down since March the 17th. We have not opened up at all. It's scheduled. They're saying we're scheduled to open up um, June 1st. But, you know, we'll see what Governor Inslee decides to do. And I'm not in a hurry. Okay. I understand. If you want to be safe, I'm sure of that. Yes, I do. Well, uh, you know, keep us posted on uh, what you guys are doing. Is there, Mr. Chambers, is there any comments you'd like, like to make before we uh, sign off? Uh, no, just check us out, www.blackbaldmen.com. We're at the same name on Instagram and Facebook, blackbaldmen.com, blackbaldmen, Instagram and Facebook. Thank you. And, Miss Jamie, we want to make sure you keep us posted with your next endeavors, whatever they might be because you're always helping people, and we want to make sure that word gets out to the community. Thank you so much. I want to add this last thing. We, I will be doing a live interview tomorrow on the Bald Life Magazine Facebook page. This will be a young lady who's had alopecia since she was a little girl, so she will be sharing her story live on Facebook. So your listeners are, are welcome to plug in and listen in on tomorrow. And thank you so much, Mr. Rye, for your continued support for everything that I do. Well, I still think that uh, you, uh, because of uh, the alopecia support group, is what made Ayanna Presley, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, take her wig off. And, and she looks good being bald. That's all I can say. So she looks like a model well, just like you do. Okay, so thank you guys very much. And, thank you. And, and keep thank us you. posted, okay? I will. All right. Have a okay, good one. thank you guys very much. Thank okay, Hayward Evans, uh, and I want to first of all let people know that in this week's uh, Facts and Medium newspaper on the front page of the Facts, the Central District uh, Community Preservation and Development Authority is seeking candidates to serve on the Board of Directors, and the deadline for submission is May 15th. 
uh, you need to send, uh, uh, you can uh, send your letter of interest and your resume to cd.cpda at gmail.com. And the same ad is in uh, the Seattle Medium newspaper as well. Uh, Hayward Evans has been working diligently on uh, an arts projects since we won't be able to have the African-American float in the, in the Taurus Light Parade this year. So I want Hayward to take a couple of minutes to talk about exactly where that process is. Oh, thank you, Eddie. Uh, just for the people who don't know, this is the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. And a lot of you have attended some of our events. Every year we make sure that the birthday of uh, Reverend Dr. King is acknowledged as well as the March on Washington. We do it annually. We even have the name of Martin Luther King Park changed to Martin Luther King Civil Rights Memorial Park to start acknowledging some of our local people. But due to the, uh, the coronavirus and Governor Jay Inslee and, and Mayor Durkin's uh, stay home, stay safe order, we uh, canceled being participating in the Seafair Torchlight Parade, and we redirected our resources to have an art contest. And the, and, the, and the art contest is being done in the spirit of Dr. King. The theme is Vision of Unity. And for me, a vision of community unity, unity, but a vision of unity. So there's different categories. Anything that, that anybody wants to make an art from, from painting to photography to the spoken word to a short story to using a computer, anything relative to a person's belief in unity, they can submit. Different categories, you have the younger kids, say pre-K to sixth grade, uh, young adults, seventh to twelfth, and then 18 and over. Uh, I want to thank the City of Seattle um, Office of Arts and Culture for being our prime sponsor. Also, the, the uh, um, Senator uh, Sedona out of the 37th District, She's on the state committee, Washington State Recovery Committee, and she's presenting it to the Washington State Art Commission to get behind us. So this can be a statewide, a statewide competition, but it's all done in the spirit of Dr. King through showing what is your vision of unity. Paint it, write it, sing it. Uh, everything is submittable. Nothing will be uh, nothing will be turned down, but it's for everybody because if you're isolated. We don't want you to feel isolated. There's a big community out there, and this is this is all to to combat isolation. And and what's better than making art? Now the other thing is we're out, we're out of time, but we give this there an email address, a phone number where people call to get information. Uh, right now you can email uh, Hayward H A Y W A R D Evans E V A N S at hotmail.com. Uh, Eddie, you have the website. Can they go on the website and leave it too? Uh, We'll need to. We'll have to come up with that a little later. But we're out of time right now, so you, so you got the information on that, and we'll also put that on uh, the Facebook page and also on Urban Forum NW dot com website. Uh, but I want to let everybody know that I want to thank Sound Transit Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Purchasing Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle Diversity Contracting Office, Concourse Concessions, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, and Stephanie Oakland Solstice Media. And Haywood Evans and Eddie Rye will talk to you again next week. Thank my guests for their time today and their participation.